I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaff. And this is Dog Years and Timestamps, a book club podcast. And today we're talking about the first 16 chapters of Reclaimed by Madeline Rue. It's always tough when you're getting into a single one-off science fiction mm-hmm. because they have to create an entire new universe. They can't pull from anything. They can't say like, we're going to live in the Star Trek world. So all those words work. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> they have to build their own thing. It was hard to get into for me. It mm-hmm. was just, there was, it was a new world. It was unfamiliar stuff. Every now and then there were a few things that kind of pulled me out of this futuristic world. I didn't think that that would be something a computer would need to ask you. You know, I just, mm-hmm. so it came up in a weird way for me that I, that it pulled me out of it and I had to text you about it. But everything else was just like, it was a new universe and uh, kind of tough to follow. I don't know. What'd you think? Do you like it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. At the beginning, I wasn't really sure if I cared too much, but I guess that's because nothing had really happened and there wasn't any particular reason for me to have any feelings of endearment towards any of these characters yet. But it was consistently more and more interesting. So I'm excited to continue reading it. Uh, Certainly since it's so short, like 300-ish pages or something. So it seems like it's pacing pretty appropriately. I think that it's not going to reach a weird conclusion that doesn't make any sense. So far as I can tell. We'll see, I guess. But so far I like it a lot, yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been definitely getting increasingly better. Like as Mm -hmm. as we're talking about it, like I think for me, getting into a new universe, Mm -hmm. like re-getting attached to all these characters it's like i guess it's not hard but this time time it felt a little forced for me and then as we were getting more into the exciting stuff they're starting to like plug in Mm -hmm. they're going to this research facility to get trauma erased from them yeah i'll uh eternal sunshine of the spotless mind with jim carrey (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I never saw that was i heard it was great though i love that movie I don't think that we're necessarily supposed to care about any of these characters because they all have a lot of flaws yeah, one of the main characters is a supermodel that has like... She's like a very stereotypical behavior, right? Like she believes that she's owed everything. She is insanely rude to everybody around her, doesn't trust her assistant for good reason, which we find out is part of the memories that she wants to have removed. But nothing so far that's redeeming about her. Very right. self-centered and awful. <laughs> the only thing to me is that she seems smart. Like she knows her position. She knows that she doesn't have to... Oh yeah, she's not like the airheaded model stereotype. She's the businesswoman. Yeah. <laughs> She's not like the ditzy, hot character. Right. Like she knows what she's doing and she knows how to do it really well. She's just as much of the reason that she's become as successful as she is as like, you know, her first agent. Yeah. Han, um, I do like her interactions with him so far. They both know their place. It feels very just like a good business transaction. <laughs> <laughs> like she knows what to do. Yeah. Know? And then even when he asks her that like personal question, like, what about your friends and family? Like, where are they? And she's like, being famous is very isolating as well. Like the guy you idolize is super isolated Mm -hmm. and you idolize me for these crazy reasons, but I'm just as isolated. Right. That bittersweet thing, the fame and the money doesn't buy you the happiness. And when you see these super celebrities, like in that uh, Michael Jordan documentary, did you watch that one? Mm -hmm. At a certain point in the documentary, he even says, like, you don't want to be me. You don't want to have to walk a day in my shoes. It's not what it sounds like it is. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I hide in my hotel room all day because I don't do drugs <laughs> and right. I don't go party. I've got a family. I, I basically run this business, which is my professional basketball career, and, like, mm-hmm. help and lead this team. It's isolating yeah. being so big and famous. I don't know. I guess maybe because I've seen so much of that recently because of that documentary and stuff. <laughs> I just Maybe that's why I'm, like, sympathizing with her a little bit, but... 
She's almost my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, don't know much about yeah, her. Yeah, you can see that there's somebody genuine somewhere inside there. Whenever we're in her perspective, the way that she reacts to yeah. different things, the thoughts that she has but doesn't ever vocalize in any way, you can see that there's still a human in there. At one point, she even comments on it. She's like, I know that there's only like one single human thing left inside me at this point. Everything else is ruined by this society and career and blah, blah, blah. Uh. So there's that, but she still hasn't done anything redeeming just yet. Senna, we don't know anything about her except that she was in this cult that caused this tragic accident on another planet. She's also interesting because of that. <laughs> That's like, right? right? Like, don't people just want to, like, oh, I get to know the cult girl. And then it's like, mm-hmm. we thought she was going to be a big deal when she got here. And she's just been by herself. Right. <laughs> yeah. We don't know anything redeeming about her yet other than she seems like she's mostly innocent. But I think she's mostly pathetic. Definitely scared and shy, but she could, yeah. I don't know, I, I, I'm so, maybe she is just pathetic. I'm I think, the, too yeah, she is. I mean, at this point, I understand why she is the way that she is. Yeah. But that doesn't change what it is. What she you is. Know? <laughs> and then the kid is a snotty little kid. He just is a jerk. He's awful to everybody. He's awful, like, to his mom even before she passes, and then that's his trauma or whatever. So I don't think that we're supposed to care about any of these characters, which means what is it that pushes us forward whenever the whatever the catalyst is, because you don't want to root for the bad guys. And if the three characters are not good guys necessarily, then who is the bad guy? Is it them or is the thing that they're going to fight so bad that they look like good people in comparison? (laughs) (laughs) That would be a twist I don't want to deal with. (laughs) The bad guys are way worse. That's so funny. Like in uh, Suicide Squad, they got the bad guys to go kill the worst back. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like what Breaking Bad is about. Not anything about Walter White is a good human. But we were rooting for him, which is yeah. weird. That's so messed up. And like at the end of Watchmen, the bad guy won. But he was like, I did it for the greater good. Like, sorry, guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this last chapter, like chapter 16... Senna was plugged it's when into the like thing happens. Link, right. Yeah. And then, and then it starts to. Well, we don't see we don't see Senna's interaction. We start the day with Senna having finished her That's what first I appointment. Okay, got you. And then we spend time with Zuri and Han, who are working on trying to break into the medical room so that Zuri can get some drugs. Yeah. And then Zuri's appointment comes up, and then chapter 16 is the appointment. And the alien life form that feeds on memories... Is that what that is? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's a very good question. When I reread the synopsis on Goodreads, I was like, oh, that's exactly as far as we are in the book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Part of that synopsis even says not like she goes to get part of her memories taken away because of a trauma in her past. But it's not just her memories that are going away. It's like she doesn't remember where she is and what's going on. (laughs) The title is called Reclaimed. So what is it? Is it some alien superbook? Has that been hinted at? I think that that's what they're trying to imply because it's sentient. And it feeds on your memories, which is a thing that humans and computers don't do. So it doesn't make any sense for it to be software that's like, I need to feed on memories. I'm always fucking hungry for that shit. Give it to me. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So I think that we're supposed to think that it's some sort of alien life form. Um, But it could still be several different things. It could just be that's the way that Ziri's brain interpreted the experience of being modified in that way. Because this is the only experience that we've had with the process. I can't remember what it was, but then the name of the technology, quote mm-hmm. unquote, right? But if it is an alien life form, then the technology is the room that's containing it there and controlling it, I guess. Lang was the name of it. 
L-E-N-G. Because it refers to itself as Lang as well, all in caps. And it would be weird for it to refer to itself as an acronym that it didn't give itself. Hmm. So maybe it does have some sort of, like Paxton did create it in some fashion. I don't know. There's so many different possibilities because we just have a bunch of random pieces. And then this nutso event happened. So it could be anything. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, why would they be feeding off of these trauma memories? Like, if we're coming in to help these people and then they're taking more memories, are they... Are they building like a super soldier with all these traumatic memories? Like, <laughs> like what could you right. use someone's trauma for? Are you feeding a bad demon? Like, was it to, a good monster to that power all the electricity in your world? It's like oh, Monsters like, Incorporated. But that's the thing, Monsters Incorporated. They were all scaring each other, and mm. they found out that laughter fueled it better. It better like, yeah. what if this thing wants to have your good memories, but they take it? But oh, they're yeah. they're bringing you. It's like a, it's a dementor. That's what it is. It wants your good memories. It's a dementor. <laughs> <laughs> they're making it eat your bad ones. That would suck. What if it was a good monster and it just wants to suck on good memories at the at the cost of you losing them, but right. it wants to be happy? It's just a memory junkie. Yeah, but because they're forcing it to eat your bad memories, what if it is now bad? It's oh, eating right. all this trauma. It's reflective <laughs> of whatever it has that it's taking in. Yeah, you know? that would make sense. It's like a clear glass container and whatever you put in there, you can see what color it is. Ooh, I don't want to see the color of trauma <laughs> all these... And that's so fun, too, because, like, you're right. We don't really know anything yet. We'll probably know in Chapter 17. <laughs> It'll tell yeah. us what it is. Right. It'll tell us. <laughs> that's Paxton just comes out. He's like, yeah, that's Lang. He's the sentient being that we found on Ganymede, and that's why we can't have this technology anywhere else, because he's only here. Also, it doesn't matter what memories it eats. It doesn't affect his personality at all. He <laughs> sucks. He's <laughs> like, Dang, of course my theory's wrong. <laughs> That's why all his female assistants are hot, because his only company beforehand was just this fucking jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm excited to meet Ling, right? Like, I'm, to get to know him better. He sounds scary in the audiobook. He's like a bad oh, guy. Yeah. Well, it's not like super overdone, but it didn't sound good when I was mm-hmm. listening. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder when we see him again, or it. We don't know. I don't think that they gave any pronouns to it. I think it just, Zuri just referred to it as the presence. Maybe it did give him a pronoun. I just did. Yeah, I wonder when we'll next see Lang. What's the deal with Lang? What's the deal with Lang? <laughs> Maybe Lang knows what the deal with Vasher is, because I don't think we still know what the deal with Vasher is, right? Or did we determine that he was one of the um, the eldest, the first magi that came across the water and founded that area? Basically, I remember it as that he was a samurai, but that's the same thing, right? <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> um, yeah, I don't even remember what the deal with Vasher was. I feel like that's what it ended up being. He was like one of the gods that they were talking about or something well, like that's that. That's probably the deal with Lang then too. He's Lang is probably a god. No, oh, maybe. Yeah. We deal with space, right? Like we flew on a rocket ship to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And they said like, oh, and they're I on Ganymede. Space. Said, yeah. <laughs> they're on one of Jupiter's moons is where the space is. Okay. So they were living on a space station. Mm-hmm. They were living on Tokyo Bliss Station. Yeah. Oh, Tokyo Bliss Station. I don't know how I missed that. I kept thinking like radio station. Um, no. <laughs> even though that makes no sense. Uh, Tokyo Bliss Station. Because like nobody lives on Earth anymore. Yeah. Almost. In some of the Star Trek episodes, there would be an alien without a physical form. Mm-hmm. Some sort of like spirit kind of like, like what we would say is a spirit. Something. Yeah, or, something yeah. floating through space mm-hmm. that was like we've ascended beyond needing our physical beings. Right. It didn't talk though. One mm-hmm. of them communicated through music, which was kind of interesting. And then the linguist had to somehow start talking to it. Like, wah, 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 like, <laughs> some, like, funky machine. 
That's that's all I can imagine. It's just some ghost style alien that's coming in and feeding on your dreams, or a Dementor that's taking your happy memories <laughs> away from you, <laughs> as well as your traumatic memories. Like this is a an equal memories mm-hmm. Dementor. Yeah. You think Dementors would be different if they fed on uh, your negative memories? Like, would that make just a super happy creature? Or pup? Do puppies feed on negative <laughs> energies? I mean, like a puppy licks your face, like they're taking away your. Sadness. Is that what that is? Well, that's the opposite of a Dementor, right? Like a puppy fills you with joy. I guess so. A dementor yeah. sucks your joy out. Unless you don't like puppies. There's this old joke by Shane Moss that's like, our brains work in a trauma system, so like you would remember something traumatic and it would affect you for years, but you don't get like, you don't go into shock from being so happy that you have like this traumatic shock of a puppy licking you and you're like so excited <laughs> all the time. Like, why are you so happy? Well, a puppy licked me two weeks ago and I just, <laughs> you know, we have these shocks. Like, I was stop. almost in a car accident. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's just, that would be silly if this alien was just... I want the memories to affect it, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> like, I right. need it to... You've come back to that point. <laughs> <laughs> I need this alien to digest the memories and have it affect its, its mm-hmm. mental state. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You're just concerned about its mental health. I'm very scared of this alien, I think, if it's sucking out memories. Yeah, because it's the problem, right? The conflict that's in this book is whatever it is that that thing is resulting in. So at first I thought it was just going to be the taking away of the memories, you know, closer to like Eternal Sunshine, where it's about how they realize that they've lost part of their identity and they have to fight to get it back, right? I thought it would end up being closer to that, you know, where that was the bad thing, or maybe that Paxton was creating something from a technology standpoint by testing unsure technology on these people and that would be the evil right yeah you know something a little bit more hard science fiction less sci-fi fantasy Mm -hmm. where like now this seems to be an alien but again we don't 100 percent know it's an alien yet oh yeah they could just throw some hard sci-fi at us now he's just digging through your memories and because of that and this technology is so new it's kind of just messing up your brain and now you don't remember stuff yeah (laughs) it could just be that simple just like it would be in real life Mm. (laughs) and then that's her brain handling the losing of all this trauma and we feel like they're getting reclaimed no there's something sinister it's reclaimed something's reclaiming them yeah what is reclaiming them i think that the resolution is that they reclaim themselves yeah i like that I think that's what it's supposed to be. But then it's also... Well, let's just stop reading. We get the book. We get it. We get it. But that's also what they're trying to do now, is they yeah. think they're trying to reclaim themselves. So that's also why it's the title of it. Uh, so we do have to finish to get the full moral mm-hmm. and realize. Yeah. yeah, they want to reclaim themselves from their trauma that they've experienced. But then once they've lost their trauma, something is going to be different and they're going to realize that they have to reclaim who they are and who they are is all their experience. Yeah, oh, we that's did probably it. what it is. We figured out this book, but I figured that much out when I read the title of the book and the first paragraph of the promo. I was like, well, of course, that's what it's about. <laughs> Someone was going through therapy and they were just like, I can turn this into a book. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Reclaimed. But I don't think it's supposed to be like, like the moral of the story is not supposed to be a mystery, right? That's not yeah, what the point of no. this book is. The, the point of this book is the journey to the myth, the moral. You know, and I don't even know that I really care about morals in most books anymore. Like, I feel like I've gotten all the morals from books that I need to get. (laughs) Yeah, without straight up going to like a self-help book, you know, the the specific (laughs) moral in mind that you needed filled or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't think of a new moral or theme to a book, but it is fun to kind of point. I don't know. It's fun for me to point them out. It's probably because I'm brainwashed from those old cards we had in English class. They were like, tell me what the theme of this book was. Like, oh yeah you have to be accepting of your traumas <laughs> <laughs> you are a combination of all of your memories you can't just throw them away right 
That's what it is. You're right. Well, read the last half. The, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else uh, do you want to say? The problem is that there's not really anything that happens just mm-hmm. yet. The majority of the book so far is us finding out who these people are. Senna, Zuri, and Han figuring mm-hmm. out who they are as, you know, the characters that we're going to be following. Yeah, learning about their up. trauma. And like you said, it wasn't too, it was pretty well paced. We have enough, honestly, to talk about all of them and kind of get an okay judgment on them. Is Han ever going to be able to send those uh, signs yeah, to his been, friends? Yeah, because that's been, the messages that he's been trying to send out have been mentioned twice at this point. But I think we're only like three days into their stay. And they said that the storm could last a really long time. So it's not unbelievable that we keep hearing Han think about those messages that are still queued. If anything, it just kind of solidifies the world a little bit more by remembering that that's a, an offhanded comment that was made earlier. Like, it cements the reality of the story because ideas have permanence. Yeah. I guess like the big question mark too I had at the end was why is Han so chill about like there there's constant surveillance. Like there's no way they're not they're being as secretive as they're trying to be like I think that everybody is okay with it in this day and age. I think that's just the standard of society. Do you steal drugs from the Well like, she can break in? is Zuri and Zuri doesn't give a shit. You know, Zuri gets but what Zuri he's wants. He's acting chill. I think, well, because one, he wants to impress the supermodel. Two, because he was going to hack into the station's security anyways, because he wants to impress his idol, Paxton, because oh. he wants a fucking internship. Oh, that would be legendary. So, yeah, yeah, yeah he like says that? legendary status. I think <laughs> legendary says, yeah. status. She crosses her arms and rolls her eyes. <laughs> it's like, oh, not good. Right. Read her, read her BL, bro. Read her BL. So being watched nonstop, I don't think that any of them give a shit about that. I think they understand that that's just the way it is. That's how it is on the station for the most part. Certainly Zuri, they spend time talking about how she has to get this special AR distortion field for her apartment so that photographers can't try and like get pictures of her in her apartment anymore. Yeah. And she's so like disconnected too from the world like that everyone Mm -hmm. else lives in. You know how to work computers and stuff, right? right. <laughs> and that was apparently like, uh, we're on a space station. Everything's right. here's a computer. Right. <laughs> what do you mean? Basically, yeah. <laughs> She's just from another time, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice, I guess. Even in the future, your beauty will take you far. <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> I'm glad that I'll be okay in the future. Yeah, we just got to make sure we keep up our looks. And we will be taken yeah, care of. <laughs> continue doing this extremely responsible regimen that I have. That's what supermodels do. You're yeah. doing it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where are all of my drugs? Give them to me now. Well, you got to find I a, desire them. Oh, you're also on because you're the guy that I would go to like, hey, let's hack into, the, <laughs> hack into this pharmacy. Right. I am so much closer to being a supermodel than I am to being a hacker. <laughs> Do hackers even exist anymore? I feel like that's such a 90s term. I always think of Jurassic Park when she's like, I'm a hacker. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> like hacking into the, the Jurassic Park. Right, like yeah. Super top secret. For real. What a ridiculous movie. Um, yeah, I can't do anything remotely close to hacking in any way at all. I think I have a decent enough bone structure. If I could get in shape, I could probably be a model. There you go. Let's do it. <laughs> and my only saving grace is that I think my bone structure is decent enough. The rest of it, take it or leave it. Nice. Probably not that great. Do it, Will. Go for it. <laughs> be Zuri. That's the moral of the story. If we get a sponsor, one of those collagen sponsors like everyone else. Collagen yeah. sponsors? Is everybody yeah. has collagen sponsors? Is that a the current podcast A lot of people trend? get like niagen and collagen sponsors and stuff, and that's supposed to be super good for your skin and makes you beautiful forever. Forever. Uh, forever. <laughs> For all eternity. That's all it takes. Yeah, so if we sponsor. could get that sponsor, that'd be dope. Yeah. Let's get to work on that.
Speaking of a collagen sponsor, we have a sponsor that we'll hear from right quick before we talk about any more. So, like, what's the deal with Paxton Lynch? He's supposed to be like the Elon Musk allegory. And he is interfacing directly with uh, Senna. Thank you. Isn't he dealing with her? Yeah, he's dealing with all of them. Paxton intercepts him as soon as he gets onto the station to take him and go erase his memories of Senna because his mother was killed by the crash that was the result of the cult that she was in hijacking that spacecraft. And she's the survivor, the only survivor of the cult, so her face was plastered all over the news. Han sees that's the cult that killed my mother, knows her face. So in order to keep peace on the station, or like in the compound, or the dome is what they call it actually, the station and the compound are two other referenced locations in this book, so I shouldn't interchange them like that. He intercepts Han and takes him straight to the place before dinner when they're going to all see each other. Mm -hmm. And that's why Dr. Colby is so angry with him. It's not like she's screaming at him or anything, Mm -hmm. but we can see her reaction to things when she realizes what he did with Han. So, yeah, they've met. Mm. Yeah, and I think everybody takes dinner together as well. Yeah, he's just trying to stand out still. Mm -hmm. I wonder if since he already was taken to have those memories arrested, that's why he can't get in to the pharmacy. Like if he was like, why can't I get it? I'm so close. Because he forgot, like, some critical thing that would have gotten him in. Or just some basic thing that he was forgetting to do. Like, oh, yeah, if I was running my blah, blah, I'd have gotten it. I don't know. Hmm. And there'd be more. Yeah. So I think that the dollies are robots. I don't think any of Paxton's assistants are humans. I think the only other human is um, Elfrin, the person that Senna meets and talks to on her way back to her room after her treatment. Mm -hmm. Why just that person? Um, why isn't that one a robot too? I just can't think of why he would be mm. given just the context. A couple of things that he has said makes it seem if there is another human on this crew, it's him. Yeah. He might not be. Maybe nobody is. I don't know. But, <laughs> but I think that he's a human, the assistant, the PR, the doctor, I think that they're robots. Because we see whenever Han is walking around at some point on his way to wherever he's going to and then Zuri intercepts him and He just keeps getting intercepted. And then Zuri tries to get him to help her get into the drug cabinet. He sees the PR person. I can't remember her name right now. It was started with a B. It was like Brienne or something like that. She's sitting on a stool, just completely like dead still, not moving at all, looking anywhere, doing anything. Mm -hmm. She's like sitting on the stool with her, the flat of her hands next to her on the bench. Sorry, not a stool, bench. And just doing absolutely nothing like she's like in standby mode. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a weird thing for him to notice and then just kind of continue on with. Yeah. And then they reference them as dollies. I think that's like a tongue in cheek thing. Yeah. Where it's sort of like that antiquated harassing way that people that men would call women like look doll and stuff like that. You know, like (laughs) taking that sort of antiquated thing to reference to Paxton is thinking of them that way because like everybody that we have talked to with Paxton so far doesn't actually like him. But then also it being a double entendre in that they're actually dolls. Yeah. You know, that are made to look like humans. And that uh, I think sense. that that's the small little clue. That would make sense for Paxton to do, too. Like yeah. To have those. I keep thinking of twists, like why they're taking their memories. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm making it like Paxton is getting his like immortality from the <laughs> her memories. Um, there's that one movie that was uh, like a Jordan Peele. Get Out? Get Out, yeah. Yeah, Did you see Jordan that one? Peele. No, I didn't see it. Um, yeah, they were like... Basically just like making a person have all of their memories repressed. Mm-hmm. And then their old family member was taking over their body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So like 
that family member would disappear, but then like this new young person would be part of the family and they'd be yeah. like, what's going on? And they were just like recycling their bodies, reclaiming them. Mm. What if that's what this is? <laughs> it's just a Jordan Peele book reclaimed. It does make me look forward for the rest of it. I am excited to get to the bottom of it, figure out what's going on. Yeah. Who is Lang? What is Lang? Yeah, is it, it, it'll is be interesting, Lang? too, also to see if maybe we go through some of this, like, amnesia with them, like, as they're losing their memories and they kind of can't. Mm-hmm. And they're losing more than just the memories they're trying to have erased, their traumas. Right. Uh, I wonder if we're going to go through this, like, amnesia phase with them as they realize that they have to... Get something back. Yeah, and accept all Reclaim it. Yeah, that's what it, it is. They're just reclaiming their memories. You're right. They're just... We can't <laughs> function without them. We need them back. Right. It can't be something so soft-hearted as you aren't who you are without your memories. It's got to be something like they are not just losing the memories that they want to lose. You know, maybe Ling ends up taking more than it's supposed to take from them and starts kind of like ruining their mind. Or maybe their traumas are so intrinsic to their entire lives that if they lose their trauma, nothing else has the appropriate context and they can't make sense of anything. That's what I was thinking. Because if you do take it out and it is such a big deal in our memory and our evolution, like we remember our traumas for real. Mm -hmm. It's like an evolutionary thing that we try to remember those so that we can avoid them. Right. It's survival, you know. Yeah. It's the same reason as if you get some poisonous berries while you're surviving out in the woods. Yeah. You have a terrible time for a few days. You're not going to eat them again. (laughs) Well, yeah. And if it's a trauma that happened a while ago in their lives, like it would have affected a lot. Mm -hmm. We know that Senna was in the cult for 15 years. Or something like that. Like, at least 15 years. They're just going to race 15 years? Right. she had her mind? They have to, like, recontextualize her everything. And it's something that Paxton mentions, and it's probably because the author recognized that that's way too much time to just, like, wipe out if that's her trauma. Every reader would have been like, wait, hold up. They're going to wipe out 15 years of this person's life and think that that works? Just kill her. <laughs> but Paxton says, obviously, we're not going to wipe out your entire time with the cult or at the compound. We're just going to wipe out the memories of the crash. We'll recontextualize everything so that you leave the organization amicably and there wasn't this crazy mm-hmm. tragedy or anything. And then she says, OK, but no matter how you recontextualize it, do not make me have any sort of fondness for Prince, who was the cult leader or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they're like, hey, OK, we'll make him an asshole still. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And then they don't. <laughs> right. So their traumas are so extensive for these three people. Zuri's trauma is tied to her previous agent or manager, you know, becoming her stalker, breaking into her apartment when he was still her manager mm-hmm. and like masturbating over her while she was sleeping mm-hmm. and then stalking her and then setting himself on fire in front of her during a show gig one time. Mm-hmm. And that's the catalyst for her getting the call from Paxton to go join this program. Han's whole thing is that his mom was like the only person that he interacted with. And then she was murdered after they had had this fight and he had missed her call that was within her last moments of life. And so he's holding on to that. He's also young still. Like he's probably yeah. only like 15. He's been alive as long as Senna was in the cult, you know, mm-hmm. their traumas are such a major part of their lives not just from being individual catalysts, but from a time perspective, like a share of time of their lives they almost a majority of it is literally the events of the trauma. So these are the perfect candidates for this to go wrong with, you know, too much can be too much is going to be taken out. It just, I don't see how that could be done effectively without not just removing a trauma, but fundamentally changing everything about a person. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see that sort of unfold, I guess. 
we've got half a book left to see if it doesn't falter in some fashion. Well, have faith, Will. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it, I suppose, huh? Not much else to say. Yeah, you guys know how to find us, anchor.fm slash earsdeskdamps. That has links to all our social medias. Um, But you can find them directly at Instagram or Twitter at uh, ears underscore stamps. Mm-hmm. And then uh, dog ears and timestamps at gmail.com. That's the email address. And then uh, thanks again to Ashley for some post-production. We always appreciate it. And Kenneth for the intro and outro music. The next thing that we're going to do is finish this book. It's only another 150-ish pages. Yeah. All the way to the end, and then we'll be done with it. The next episode that you'll hear is us talking about the Netflix original animated film, The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. Yeah. That's going to come out on Monday in between talking about Reclaimed by Madeline Rue. Finish the book. We'll see you all next week. I'm Will Hedrick. I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps. Stamps.